You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Cyber threats trending from East Asia. The Lazarus Group is suspected in the Coinex crypto theft. Pig butchering enabled by cryptocurrency. Black Cat is active against Azure storage. A Ukrainian view of cyber warfare. A U.S.-Canadian Water Commission deals with a ransomware attack. Eric Goldstein from CISA shares insights on cyber threats from China. Neil Sarabrani of Calypso explains the policies, tools, and safeguards in place to enable the safe use of generative AI. And more details emerge in the Las Vegas Casino's ransomware incidents. Danny Ocean, call your office. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Monday, September 18th, 2023. Microsoft describes the cyber capabilities of the Chinese and North Korean governments, finding that Chinese influence operations have grown more effective over the past year. Microsoft states, China-aligned social media networks have engaged directly with authentic users on social media, targeted specific candidates in content about U.S. elections, and posed as American voters— Separately, China's state-affiliated multilingual social media influencer initiative has successfully engaged target audiences in at least 40 languages and grown its audience to over 103 million. The researchers note that China's cyber operations in 2023 have primarily focused on countries surrounding the South China Sea, the U.S. defense industrial base, especially satellite communications and telecommunications infrastructure in Guam, and U.S. critical infrastructure. North Korean cyber operations have increased in sophistication over the past year, and Microsoft says Pyongyang's threat actors seem particularly interested in stealing information related to maritime technology research. We note in full disclosure, Microsoft is a CyberWire partner. Pyongyang is also interested in direct theft of funds, in this case cryptocurrency. Researchers at Elliptic believe North Korea's Lazarus Group is responsible for the theft of $31 million worth of cryptocurrency from Coinex last week, the record reports. Elliptic stated, 
Our analysis confirms that some of the funds stolen from Coinex were sent to an address which was used by the Lazarus Group to launder funds stolen from Stake.com, albeit on a different blockchain. Elliptic has observed this mixing of funds from separate hacks before from Lazarus, most recently when funds stolen from Stake.com overlapped with funds stolen from Atomic Wallet. Sophos outlines a pig-butchering scam that attempts to trick victims into investing cryptocurrency in a phony liquidity pool. Sophos says, Fake pools use smart contracts that give the scammers access to their target's wallets. They may deposit cryptocurrencies into wallets to give the illusion of gains or deposit counterfeit cryptocurrencies that have deceptive names and no inherent value. The websites used to link wallets in these scams will display data promising daily payouts and showing the victims mounting but fake profits. The scammers in this case are targeting users of dating apps. Dating apps have been a common field for pig butchering, which is described as a long-running targeted scam in which the scammers cultivate a bogus online relationship with an individual victim, metaphorically fattening the victim up for the kill. Bleeping Computer reports that the Black Cat ransomware gang is using the newly discovered Sphinx encryptor in attacks against Azure cloud storage. Researchers at Sophos describe one of these attacks observed in August, stating, The threat actors were able to gain access to the customer's Azure portal, where they obtained the Azure key required to access the storage account programmatically. The adversary encoded the keys using Base64 and inserted them into the ransomware binary with execution command lines. During the intrusion, the threat actors were observed leveraging various RMM tools like AnyDesk, Splashtop, and Atera, and using Chrome to access the target's installed LastPass vault via the browser extension, where they obtained the one-time password for accessing the target's Sophos Central account, which is used by customers to manage their Sophos products. There's an ongoing ransomware attack against infrastructure, and while there's no ocean in it, there's plenty of water. The International Joint Commission, an organization that handles water issues along the Canada-United States border, has experienced a ransomware attack. The commission has disclosed few details, telling the record, the International Joint Commission has experienced a cybersecurity incident. The organization is taking measures to investigate and resolve the situation. The No Escape ransomware gang claimed responsibility for the attack, saying it's taken 80 gigabytes of sensitive data, which it will begin leaking if its demands aren't met. The data is said to include contracts, legal documents, personal information belonging to people associated with the ICJ, financial data, insurance information, geological files, and much other confidential and sensitive information. No Escape said in its leak notice... If management continues to remain silent and does not take the step to negotiate with us, all data will be published. We have more than 50,000 confidential files, and if they become public, a new wave of problems will be colossal. For now, we will not disclose this data or operate with it, but if you continue to lie further, you know what awaits you. Signal reports that Ilya Vaituik head of the Cybersecurity Department in the Security Service of Ukraine, offered a perspective on cyber warfare at the Billington Cybersecurity Summit. Batuik asked rhetorically, 
What are the three main objectives of cyber attacks? First, it is to gather important intelligence. Second, it is destructive when you destroy systems, digital systems, and cause direct damage. And third is psychological effect. He also dismissed the notion that Russia's hacktivists were genuinely what they represent themselves to be, stating, All of these groups, like Killnet, Anonymous, and Cyber Army of Russia with Deep Rock, etc., etc., we do believe that these are all groups created or orchestrated by the Russian intelligence agency, GRU. So the hacktivists, like so many front groups before them, are often run by Russian security and intelligence units. The Las Vegas Review-Journal notes that the MGM ransomware incident was accomplished by fraud, not by sophisticated attack code. While this particular incident has been attributed to a cyber gang and obviously had a significant effect on MGM Resort's IT infrastructure, it's the latest in what's been a rough patch of fraud for Las Vegas resorts and casinos. The IT disruptions continued into the weekend, and MGM Resorts has restored much of its online presence. The company says many of its properties were unaffected by the incident and that it's working to restore full service. Wired argues that while there seems to be an element of frivolity in the attention high-profile incidents like the attacks against MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment attract, nonetheless, such attention drives awareness, response, and sometimes effective public policy. Wired quotes Leslie Carhart, director of Incident Response at Dragos, which specializes in industrial cybersecurity, as stating, Attacks against casinos are dramatic and draw attention. We have whole movie and TV franchises about casino heists. A lot of life-impacting attacks on critical infrastructure and healthcare occur far less visibly, and therefore, they aren't an easy draw for mass media. I do not think this is an issue with cybersecurity or even media in its entirety. It's a human psychology issue. We've had that problem for a long time in the industrial control system cybersecurity space, where attacks could really mean life or death, but are not a great story. Or at least not one that's likely to be made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, Richard Conti, Joey Bishop, Henry Silva, Buddy Lester, Richard Benedict, Norman Fell, Clem Harvey, and last but certainly not least, Angie Dickinson. Sure, the remake with George Clooney and Julia Roberts is worth a look, but for our money, we'll stick with the original. Coming up after the break, Eric Goldstein from CISA shares insights on cyber threats from China. Neil Cerebrani of Calypso explains the policies, tools, and safeguards in place to enable the safe use of generative AI. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. 
Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Ever since generative AI tools like ChatGPT captured the general public's imagination, enterprise security folks have been faced with the challenge of balancing users' desire to make use of what are potentially huge time-saving tools versus the security risks that come with them. Neil Sarabrani is founder and CEO of Calypso AI, and I checked in with him for insights on finding the right balance. Everyone who had spent the last couple of years on the machine learning side of the house knew that the underlying frameworks and techniques, the transformer architecture was not new in any way. It had been out for five years, but you finally had a product that just seemed magical um, to the broad public. And because the product seemed so magical, 10 times better than anything that had existed prior, it got to the fastest adoption of any product in human history. So a combination of excitement to see that happen and also the worry that comes with knowing of what this entire new risk surface means for everyone. I can imagine you know you and your colleagues being there kind of like uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, you know, with the an understanding of what's going on, but also the worry of uh, what could possibly happen here. Yeah, that's exactly right. We spent over four years now focused on the risks in AI. And it's been really interesting to see what's happened um, over the last couple of years. Um, You know, at at first, like most kind of cybersecurity-oriented threats, the threat surface as well as the attacks were really occurring at with some of the most sophisticated actors out there. Really, what I would describe at this, you know, nation state or near nation state level. And in the last couple of years, you've gone from, you know, these really, really sophisticated organizations being the ones that are leveraging these tools to now communities on Twitter 
that are popularizing ways to jailbreak or evade these models and sort of the rise of the proverbial script kitty in the context of AI attacks and AI risk. You know, we've seen a a spectrum of responses from organizations to these tools. You know, some of them are embracing them and, and at the other end, some are outright banning them. What do you think is a reasonable approach here? So ultimately, it starts with what is the impact of the technology on your organization on a medium to long-term basis. Organizations are going to have to embrace these technologies for the sole reason that it increases productivity to such a degree, as the McKinsey study recently pointed out, in terms of the $4.5 trillion in worldwide economic in- impact a year, that they will need these tools or their competitors will outpace them. In the short to medium term, it's around how are you defining the security risks inside of your organization? How are you defining the mitigations, the controls that you want to put in place? And how are you rolling out these technologies in a secure way? So I would say a combination of the understanding that we need these technologies combined with putting in place a smart uh, risk posture. It it strikes me that that this is the kind of technology that is um, really susceptible to shadow IT here. You know, if your employees see the potential here of them being able to be more efficient at their jobs and the technical folks in the organization put up roadblocks, those employees are likely to find a way around that. Correct. And that's why what you need to do is, is not just outright, you know, block these technologies, but figure out how do you enable your employees and your teams to use them in a um, secure manner. I I almost think of it, um, you know, to use another analogy here, as sort of, you know, when everyone uh, started using smartphones and suddenly you had all of these enterprise security questions around my employees, you know, want to have their work email on their smartphones. How do I enable that? How do I allow that? How do I put in place the controls to be able to do that securely? Except that this is at a much more kind of massive and perhaps a more kind of impactful scale than folks using their own personal smartphones or iPads or other devices. Do you have any practical tips for folks who are looking for ways to come at this? Any words of wisdom? So a a couple of words of wisdom. Um, Number one, the most common risk posture that we've seen is to block um, ChatGPT and LLM usage entirely. Our recommendation would be as you start your kind of phased unlock to be able to start with individual groups or smaller subsets of employees inside of your organization and test out what are the controls, what are the risks, um, that you want to put in place, meaning go and you know crawl, walk, and then run in terms of what you're doing inside of your organization. Two, understand what the policies that you want to put in place are, and then figure out what the technical controls are, whether they're products from external vendors like ours, or whether they're policy driven. And then third, you know, also experiment with what are the use cases inside of your enterprise. Ultimately, a lot of the value unlock from these technologies is going to come from 
the integration of these technologies into enterprise apps provided by external vendors and also enterprise apps that you're building internally, understand what those are, understand where the risks lie, and understand what you want your strategy to be. That's Neil Cerebrani from Calypso AI. And joining me once again is Eric Goldstein. He is Executive Assistant Director at CISA. Uh, Eric, it's always my pleasure to welcome you back to the show. I would love to touch base with you today on the cyber threat that our nation sees from China specifically uh, and some of the efforts that you and your colleagues there at CISA have taken on to address that. Thanks so much, Dave. It's really good to be here. And, and this is a really important topic. So it, it's a privilege to be on discussing it. And, and you know, many of your listeners you know, might have might have seen, uh, with perhaps some alarm, uh, a recent assessment by uh, the Office of the Director of, of National Intelligence, which noted that China represents the broadest, most active and persistent cyber threat and is capable of launching cyber attacks that could disrupt critical infrastructure within the U.S. That's that's a pretty stark statement. And at CISA, as the nation's cyber defense agency, uh, we are taking this really seriously on a number of fronts. Um, with our partners, we recently released a report on um, Chinese actors uh, living off the land. This was done with some great work with our partners at NSA uh, and other agencies. And the way to read this advisory is the extraordinary sophistication of Chinese actors um, and the threat that that poses uh, to organizations across sectors, um, and then to read that in intersection with uh, the intent that's described in the ODNI's annual threat assessment. And so what we are confronting uh, is an adversary that may have the intent to launch destructive attacks in the future against U.S. assets with an actor that is extraordinarily sophisticated and using techniques like living off the land, which are very hard to detect and, um, in fact, require a different approach to cybersecurity than just looking for known indicators of compromise, malware, and the like. And so that's why we have stood up a new Office of China Operations within CISA and hired an experienced leader, a gentleman named Andrew Scott, who brings to bear extraordinary expertise in this area to ensure that we as an agency and we have a and we as a country have a strategy and roadmap against this possible threat. And what will be some of the things that that, off, that, that office will be focused on? You know, really, the main goal is to make sure that we are providing critical infrastructure entities across sectors with a clear understanding uh, of the threat as it evolves, the tactics, techniques, and procedures that we are seeing and anticipating, and then the specific steps that can be taken in response. And really importantly here, we know that cyber defense is not going to be uh, the only tool uh, that we have here. We know that we also need to focus on resilience. Uh, so we know we are not going to prevent every possible intrusion, and we need to focus on detecting more quickly, responding more quickly, and most importantly, ensuring that if there is an intrusion, we can recover critical functions as quickly as possible. You know, I, I think a lot of folks, when looking at um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and, and the cyber uh, attacks there, thinking that perhaps Russia underperformed relative to where we thought their capabilities were, 
I'm curious, how confident are you and your colleagues in your assessment of where we stand with China? You know, it is it is very hard to speculate uh, the intent of any given adversary, uh, but we do know that as documented in the DNI's public annual threat assessment, um, certainly uh, the prospect uh, exists that that particularly around a future geopolitical conflict, uh, Chinese cyber actors uh, may have the intent and almost certainly have the capability uh, to launch destructive attacks. And so it is our duty uh, at CISA, as well as every owner-operator's duty, to make sure that we are prepared for that eventuality. And if it, if it does not manifest, um, all to the better. If it does manifest, we have to say that we've done everything possible to be ready and ensure that the services upon which all Americans depend are secure and resilient under all conditions. Uh, that's why uh, we brought in uh, Andrew to, to lead a small team. Uh, it's a new position in the organization within our cybersecurity division uh, intended to bring together uh, and cohere all of our disparate activities against this threat to make sure that we're making needed progress. All right. Well, Eric Goldstein is Executive Assistant Director at CISA. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, David. I'll just note if listeners want to learn more, they can visit cisa.gov slash China. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.